God, that's our heart right now. We come to you and surrender. Take my heart. Take my life. All that I am, I am yours today. I surrender all. All to Jesus I surrender. And I pray now that as we talk about how to love each other, that you would help us each, each one of us today, God. You would help us to be surrendered right now, surrendered through our time together, and that we surrender to what you say about the way we love. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Are you going to have a seat? That'd be awesome. And um, I know that when John was talking about Fall Family Festival and he was coming up with all kinds of, you know, reasons why you should serve, even though you might have your exceptions or your excuses. Well, there's one more he didn't mention, and I'm going to mention, just to put the heat on a little bit more, okay? And that is that Fall Family Festival is October 31st, and that is when we fall back in our time. And so you have no excuse now because you can serve and then you can go home and set your clock back and get just the right amount of sleep you want and come the next day. It's going to be a great time to be together. Uh, It really is. It's going to be a lot of fun. So I've been praying about today. And as I was uh, reading this week, uh, I was reading about a pastor who's retired. And now that he's retired, they asked him, "What, what do you miss about being a pastor? And uh, he, he said that the number one thing he misses about being a pastor is the weekly sermon, the messages. And so, you know, you read that at first, you might be thinking, okay, that's about, you know, the adrenaline. It's about, you know, being on a stage with everybody looking at you and listening. And, and this is what he said that it just means so much to me because this is who I am as well. He says, I miss getting to preach to myself every week. I miss that. And, uh, you know, and, and I just have to say that, you know, every week when I come, I'm, I'm speaking to me every single time. I work at it to make sure that it's not just stuff that I think that someone <laughs> needs to hear, but it's stuff that I know God's spoken to me that I need to hear. And when we come to this whole idea of how to love others today, oh, my word, is it ever hard, okay? And it was tough to look at this this week. And so we're going to talk about this uh, issue of loving others today. See, one of the deepest needs that we all have is to be connected deeply in relationship, to know we have a place where we can belong, uh, to have people who love us. And I'll just say this, people who love us no matter what, not because of what we have, not because of our accomplishments, not because of what we've done, but simply because of who we are, simply because we are the children of the Most High God, that we can be loved. And so I want to ask you today to listen really carefully today, because I'm going to talk through uh, what I think is one of the biggest barriers to having community. You know, we want to have community, we want to have relationships, we're talking about one of the biggest barriers. Now, we talk a lot around Twin Cities Church about community. And we talk about we all need to have this place where we can know and be known, where we can love and be loved, where we can serve and we can serve others, where we can celebrate and be celebrated. We all need that. 
And that sounds so wonderfully warm, doesn't it? So wonderfully warm. That kind of warm kumbaya. Lean on me. <laughs> friends are friends forever. You know, kind of community that we sing about and we get, make pithy statements about, sentimentalize. But what I'm talking about today is something that has to be dug, mined out of the differences that we bring, out of the chaos that happens when we come together, that requires humility and it requires submission. It's not easy. So we're going to get to that today. But before we do, I just want to kind of frame all this as we've been looking at Romans 12. Romans 12 is all about relationships. And we said that if we can understand these five relationships and we can bring them in and work on them in our everyday life, that these are the steps, the pathway, the journey to spiritual maturity, to being like Jesus, as this series is being called, to be an R12 follower of Jesus. And so in this chapter, Paul's giving us the short version the cliff notes on how to grow to become like Jesus. And he bases the whole thing on the strategy of relationships. I just want to walk through these and remind us, maybe you're here for the first time today, and I really want you to get this, okay? So we're, every week I'm talking about just reminding why we're doing this. So let's talk about the four, four of the relationships, and we'll come back next week with the fifth one. The first one is this, it's my relationship for God, with God, and the key to my relationship with God is surrender. Surrender to him. Just what we did when we sang, that's our theme song for this series. I give all to him, I surrender everything, all to Jesus. I surrender, I give him all, I give him ownership of me. I submit to him. Second is my relationship with culture. And the key action here is to separate from cultural influence. To separate from cultural influence. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago. We said that the whole idea of what Paul says, don't be conformed by culture, but be transformed by the Spirit, then be delighted because as you're living out his will, you're finding out the most delightful place to live is right in the middle of what he says and doing what he says and where he guides us to be. And then last week, we discovered that the third key relationship is the relationship I have with me, with myself, and the key action was to have a sober self-assessment, is to be sober in myself assessment. And Mark talked about, did a great job with this last week. If you weren't here, you probably want to go out online and watch that so you can get a grasp of that as well. And one of the verses we used last week was Romans 12, 5. And it says this, we are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. It's on your message notes. So if you want to go ahead and grab your message notes out of your program, I'd appreciate that. You can follow along uh, as well. But if you grab that right now and then look at Romans 12, 5, I want you to circle, we all belong. We all belong to each other. See, the goal, as Mark talked about last week, is for us to discover and deploy our gifts. So we have to discover how God made us, and then we need to deploy them. We need to put them into action so that as we act, then others are blessed by how God has wired us and made us. We need all the body parts functioning, as Mark talked about last week, if our body is going to be healthy. All, they all have to function. And so this is a place where we can all belong, where we can all, Mark invited us all to discover our gifts and plug them in in this place. It's a place where we can all belong. But this place will never be all that God intended it to be until we all engage, 
till we all engage. And I'll say that to those who are watching online today, that you're watching and you're listening and you're watching from the comfort of your house and you think that that's getting your needs met. And for some of us, we have to do that. That's the best place for us to be today. But if that's becoming your church, then we need to say, I need to come to the church because the church needs you to engage fully. See, that idea of belonging then gets us to this fourth relationship, and it's this. It's the relationship with other followers of Jesus, other followers of Jesus. And the key action is to serve others in love. Now, I'll be really honest. This is what keeps some people home watching it online. It's because they've been hurt by other followers of Jesus. They've been hurt by the church because the church wasn't loving and didn't love them as they needed to be loved. And so we want to talk about that today. We want to get better as a church. We are not perfect. Do we hurt people? Yes. Never on purpose. But we're human, and we're going to make mistakes along the way as we try to do what we think is best, all of us, every step of the way. So the focus on this relationship is how to love those. we got to get it clear here now. How to love those who've made a commitment to Jesus. So what we're talking about, we're talking about how to grow an authentic community, and authentic community comes out of authentic relationships. So I'm just going to have you fill in some blanks here. I'm going to walk through this phrase at the bottom of the first side of your notes, because, and I'm going to just take a, a moment for every line, okay? So we're not going to rush through this. We're going to take a moment for every line. The first line says this, authentic community established through a right relationship with Jesus. So this is the start, authentic community. I, mean, I should have said biblical biblical community is established through a right relationship with Jesus. See, you can only do what Paul is talking about in Romans 12 after, after you've established a relationship with Jesus Christ. So I'm just going to kind of walk through. Paul writes in Romans how we might do this, how this is made possible. Romans 3.23, many of you will know this verse. It says that we have all, we've all sinned and we all fall short of, short of God's glory. That's the bad news. That's the bad news. Romans 5.8 then comes along and it says this, that God provided Jesus to die for us so that we could become friends with God. That's the good news. So the bad news, we have sinned and that sin has made us separated from God and we've all sinned. That All of us are included in that. And the good news is, is that God loves us so much that he gave his son Jesus Christ that he might pay the ransom for our sins so that we could be set free. Romans 6.23 Paul just kind of ratchets back to this idea, and he says this, the wages of sin is death. That's the bad news. The wages of sin is death. And he says then, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. That's the good news. Now, up until now, that's all just news. Just news. Because I have to respond to the news. I have to have a response myself. And Romans 10, 9, Paul gets a little further into this. And he says in Romans 10, 9, he says, If you confess with your mouth, if you speak it out with your mouth, that Jesus is Lord, and if you believe in your heart that God, that, that God raised him from the grave, then you will be saved. So that's my response. So there's bad news. I've separated from God because of sin. There's good news that God sent Jesus to pay the price for my sin. And then I accept that and I receive it. And now I'm in right relationship with Jesus, right relationship with him. It's really essential that we understand this and that we listen to what it is that Paul wrote about and that we accept that ourselves and then we embrace and we're made right with him. 
So when you do that, then he sets you free. And you become a child of God, and you come into a new family. So just first phrase, authentic community established through a right relationship with Jesus. I just told you how you would do this. And so at the end of the service today, if you've never done it, I'm going to give you a chance, because this is an awesome day to get right with Jesus Christ because of what he's done. The rest of the statement goes on like this. It's formed through developing right attitudes within. So it's formed as I develop right attitudes inside me, within me. So I say yes to Jesus, and I'm in a right relationship with him. Now I begin the process. God begins a remodeling job. But he doesn't start on the outside. He starts on the inside. It's a remodeling job of changing my values, changing my attitudes, so that as I'm relating, I'm relating out of a core value system that is based upon the biblical framework of the Bible. So it's a core value system that based on the biblical framework of the Bible so that I'm internally changed. And then as I'm internally changed, and that gets us to the next idea, it changes me on the outside, it's expressed through right actions toward others. So let me just read it all again so we have it straight. Authentic community established through a right relationship with Jesus Christ it's formed through developing right attitudes within and is expressed through right actions outward toward others. So how do I measure whether I've been changed within? So clear. It's by my outward actions toward others, my outward actions. Authentic community is motivated by love, which changes how I view others, how I relate to them, and that comes from the inside. Our actions are the result of our attitudes and our values. What we hold dear, we act on what we believe. Just remember that. Your actions. You may say sometimes you do something, you're like, I don't know where that came from. Well, guess what? I do. It came from in here. It came from somewhere inside of you, that expression or that action that you just gave. So it sums it all up on the backside of your notes. 1 John 3.16 and 4.19, I combine these two together it says this, we know what real love is because Jesus, notice this, gave up his life for us. So we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. So I'm in a right relationship, right attitudes. Now I'm acting out in love toward others. And then he says this, we love each other because he loved us first. Isn't that cool? We love each other. What's the motivation? Because he loved us first. So when we realize how much Jesus loves us, it will encourage us to love as he loved us, to love others as we've been loved by him. Because we've been accepted, remember this, because we've been accepted and loved by being made right with God through Jesus Christ, I must, must treat others differently. It's so key. Now, it sounds good. Now, it sounds good. But if we were to be honest today, I think that what most of us would say is, Ron, that sounds awesome, except for like the one or two people in my life. You don't know how hard they are to love. How many of you have someone in your life that's hard to love? Raise your hand. That's all of us. So we're all in that place. Just don't look at them, okay? Please don't look at them. <laughs> no, we don't want them to get mad before I even get to the good stuff. Okay, so it just, we all have that. We all need these words from Paul, okay? All of us need these words. So what we're going to look at is we're going to look at how to serve one another in love. But first of all, I just need you to know, 
This is not a list of rules. Now, Paul just piles it on in these verses. He piles it on. It's not a list of rules, but it's a list. Hear this. It's a list of the actions that we will live out as our attitudes on the inside are changed, as our values are changed, as we shift from living for ourselves to living to love others because we are slaves to Christ. The Bible says slaves to Christ. And because he's loved us, we will love them. So I took this list, and it was hard. I'm like, how am I going to do this today and let us out? Even we're close to on time. And so I just looked at this list today, and what I did is I put it into four different categories. It's an entire list that we're going to look at today. And I even included, if those of you who are doing the R12 study with Chip Ingram, he only had us do 9 through 13, but I decided that we needed more today, so we're actually going to go through 16 today, okay, and get all of it. But you'll see why when we get there in just a little bit. So four categories. The first is this, love with sincerity. Love with sincerity. And I just need you to know, you probably got to put your seatbelt on about now, okay, uh, because it's going to get rough, and I'm going to go fast, and so you're going to have a lot to write, and so you need to be ready as we go through this. Here's how he begins. Let love be genuine, abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good, love one another with brotherly affection, outdo one another in showing honor. So I'm just going to break this down. I'm going to leave the verse on the screen. You've got it right there. You've got some notes. Maybe you want to open your Bible to Romans 12 so you can actually write in the columns of your Bible if you need to, the white spaces there. But you're going to have a lot to think about as we go through this. So love, he begins this, let love be genuine. The word love is agape. Now, agape love is a word that means sacrificing for the good of others. It means sacrificing for the good of others. It's the word used to describe God's love for us. And you've got to know that when Paul wrote this word in a culture that did not honor any kind of self-sacrifice in any way, that it was anti-cultural in his day just as much as I believe it's anti-cultural in our day today to actually love others self-sacrificially or sacrificially in some way. See, the mantra, mantra of cultural love is this. I have to do what's best for me. That's the mantra of cultural love. See, most people believe that it's okay to stay in a relationship as long as they are getting something from it. But when I stop getting my needs met or I stop getting something from it, they bolt. They bolt and they run. Move away. Now, I'll just say this. That's not the biblical way to authentic community. Not the biblical way at all. Authentic biblical community requires self-sacrificial, self-giving acts of love. That's what it requires. So instead of looking at a relationship to discover what is self-satisfying and in keeping that, biblical relationships look at a relationship and look for what is self-sacrificing, not self-satisfying but what is self-sacrificing as I can give up for others. Okay, that word genuine. Let's just walk through this. That word genuine means I'm not going to put on a mask. So in order for me to have a loving relationship, someone else has to know the real me. Now, this is hard, right? This is really hard. That how am I going to get to the place where I can take off the, all the masks, all the layers that I wear, that I put on so other people think of me one way, because I'm afraid if they saw the real me that they wouldn't accept me. But he's saying here that genuine agape, self-sacrificing love, takes off the mask so that others can see the real 
me. And then he says that it will hate or abhor that which is evil. So kind of understand this, okay, how we can grasp that. So abhorring or hating what is evil is like what happens when I go to my refrigerator and I open the doors and I'm looking for something like ketchup, okay? So I'm looking for my ketchup and I can't find my ketchup. And those of you who've been to my house know our refrigerator is like that. That it's, it's like a journey, okay? It's like a treasure hunt. And so finally, you know, I find, a, oh, what's this Tupperware container? I don't remember this being up there before. And I pull it out and I open it up. And inside is the science experiment on the green beans <laughs> from like a month ago. So as I open it up, it's like that, right? <laughs> That's bad. That's abhorring. That's hating. I push it away. I don't want to have anything to do with it. So I move it away from me because I'm offended by it. That's what he's talking about here. Now he says, cling to what is good. Let's just understand that. The best idea I could come up with is this. I remember when my kids were little, each of them, they're five years apart, so this came in stages. Those of you who have little ones, you get this at once when you have them together. But I remember sometimes when I would leave for work that one of them would latch onto my leg and it would be going to the door like this, you know, glowing to the door as they're trying to tell daddy that daddy needs to stay home. And so when Paul's saying to cling to what is good, that's the picture he's giving us to. You need to cling on with all your might to what is good. You need to abhor and push away everything that's evil so that you can then have relationships that are based on what is right. See, folks, we live in a world that says that nothing is right or wrong, only in the eye of the beholder. But the Bible says there's a right. The Bible says there is a wrong that there is evil, and that if we're going to have the right kind of relationships, we need to cling to everything that's good, and we abhor and push away that which is evil. That's what he says there. Then he goes on to say this. He says, he's talking about brotherly love. Talks about brotherly love. So that's not hard to explain, is it? Brotherly love. And that means that we love each other out of a family relationship. Now, I'm going to end my talk today with this idea so I'm not going to go into a lot right now because I really think that this is kind of the key to what some of the things that we want to need to learn today as he talks about us is this. Just know this. We did not get to choose our family. We didn't get to choose our family. See, folks, there are people who attend Twin Cities Church who desperately need to know that they are loved simply because they are part of the family. And so we need to outdo each other, he says next, in showing honor for, to each other. Outdo one another. So that means, okay, you know, I, ever, I just go back to when I first was, uh, when we were first starting out of the church. Uh, that was 20, 20 I was here, I've been here 24 years now, October 1st. And so when we first, yeah, let's celebrate that. Thank you. That's a long time, right? 24 years at the same church, my word. Uh, and so, uh, but when I, I remember in like the first year, I talked about this concept that if we were going to be a healthy church, that we couldn't be based on competition. We had to be based on cooperation. Well, Paul says there's an area where we need to be competitive and the area of being competitive is trying to outdo each other and showing honor to each other. That's what he's talking about. So what we need in a cooperative environment, we realize that there's always enough blank. You just put the word in. There's always enough blank to go around. And if we want to receive more blank that we're wanting in our lives, then the best way to get more blank is to freely give it away to others. Freely give it away to others. And God says that we, he will return to us 
shaken together and pressed down and running over more than we can actually give out we will be returned to us and then honoring others so this is just basically saying i'm going to find a way to let others know they matter to me They're, they matter to me now i did this in my email blast this week i really encourage you to read the email blast every week i put a lot of heart and soul and sometimes it's just information but many times it's you know talking about our church or just talking about the thought i have and I hope you read those sometimes, just thoughts I have. But this one was all about just honoring the volunteers that serve here, that faithfully, day in and day out, from early, there were people here today before 6 o'clock so that we could have service today. There are people here that stay late to make sure that it's cleaned up and ready for the next time. And there's so many areas, and this even said in my email blast, I can't tell everyone I wish I could tell everyone thank you, but I'm doing it today. I want to honor you for all that you do, all that you do to help others to be able to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And so that's what he wants us to do. Outdo one another in honoring each other. Okay, so that's all under that one category. Love with sincerity. Next, love with enthusiasm. Enthusiasm. Verses 11 and 12. He says, do not be slothful in zeal. Oh, slothful. I love that word. (laughs) Don't be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. So I'm going to walk through every one of these phrases, just like we did in the last one. But I want you to circle, serve the Lord. Serve the Lord. It's key. Key to what we're talking about. So he's saying when it, when it comes to serving others, that it, would, it needs to come out of this energy that we have, that we've received from Jesus. And this is what's so cool. You know, you're tired and you're thinking, I don't have any energy, but there's just something that happens when I give myself away that creates more energy. And it just kind of gives me more energy to give away to others. He said to have zeal. So what that means is, honestly, is that love has to be tended The fires have to be stoked, that I have to do my best to make sure that I'm following God's instructions. And so I need to have zeal, which means I need to fire up the fires a little bit. But then he says this, be fervent in spirit. And I was thinking about this. How do I describe this, be fervent in spirit? So last April, many of you know, Kim and I got to go to Italy for our 25th wedding anniversary. And we were in Italy. We sat down in a restaurant, and I ordered this fish. And I asked the, you know, the guy who spoke broken English what, how, you know, how this fish was cooked. And he says it's cooked in crazy water. And I'm like, hmm, what's crazy water? And he says, you know, in his broken English, he said to me that crazy water meant that they cooked the fish in hot oil. And then they poured water in it. And the water went crazy, you know, and it boiled over. And that's what Paul's saying here. Be like crazy water. Be fervent in spirit. Let the Holy Spirit working inside of you create energy that you don't know you have. And then let it flow out. But you have to tend that fire. And you have to make sure that it's stoked and ready to flow out on others. Then he says, serve the Lord. And I'll just say this, folks. When we are serving the Lord, we are loving others. And when we are loving others, we are serving the Lord. It's just key. It's just key to write down Ephesians 6, 7, if you want to know. It's Ephesians 6, 7. Ephesians 6, 7 says, serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not people. 
So when we talk about being a loving church and loving others, it's not so that others can look at you or our church even and say, oh, it's so loving, but it's so that God smiles as he looks down and says, there's a place that serves me and it's expressed in their ability and willingness to love others. Then he says, rejoice in hope. And so kind of the idea here, so we're getting into that serving God idea. And so now we're in these these situations and rejoice in hope means that I'm going to rejoice in belief that there's going to be something different or that my actions are going to make a change. So I'm rejoicing in hope and others get to see that as well. And then it says showing our patience. We love others by showing patience. So we're not to, this is this is you know this is another one of those hard things here. So when you come to someone and they're in a life circumstance that's difficult and you talk to them and then you talk to them again and they're in a life circumstance that's difficult, it's the very same. And you talk to them again and there's a life circumstance that's different, it's the very same. And you do this again. What he's saying here is that we have to be patient with those who go through hard times. Be patient with those. We have a friend who was laid off from his job a little over two years ago now. And it just so happens that we're in a relationship uh, meeting-wise where we see this friend once a week. Once a week for over two years. And each week we ask, how's it going? And each week we get to hear the journey, the hope, the rejection, the dejection, the hope, the rejection, the dejection, And each week, what we get to do is we get to express our patience, our love, by saying, we care. We care. We're there with you. And then finally, he says, be constant in prayer. And so I think that's pretty clear, that we need to be praying for each other. That we need to be praying for the needs that we know that are out there. And so where people need help, that we just do that. But we constant means that we do it continually. Thinking about others, right? What others may need, not ourselves. Okay, number three, love with generosity. Love with generosity. So he goes on to say this. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. So that word contribute, that's referring honestly to financial support. It's talking about money. Money. Contribute to those who have needs. So we're here to help those in our body who have financial needs. Now, one of the ways we do that as a church is through our benevolence offerings. We do benevolence offerings once a quarter. And we always say to you, if you feel led to give to this, and I just want to say today that maybe that's even raising the bar on that. It's not that you feel led to this. It's like, oh my gosh, there are needs. And God says that if I'm going to be part of the body, that I contribute to help others who are going through tough times. So I'm going to contribute. I'm going to give to this that others may be helped. And obviously you can do this individually. You can do it part of a system. You can do it part of groups that you may be part of. But you look for ways that you contribute those to have needs. Then he says, show hospitality. Now, in the day he was writing, what he meant was is that people traveled a lot, okay? And so uh, that it wasn't like you show hospitality to the people around you, but it was that too. But it was really show hospitality to followers of Jesus who were traveling and they needed a, uh, either a, a meal or they needed a room place to sleep for the night in some way so that you would show hospitality for them. So what I was thinking about that, I was thinking about 
you know, coming up to holidays. We've got two major holidays coming, three, counting Halloween. But we have two major holidays coming up. And so you might be thinking, your family, uh, as what can you do this holiday season to make sure that someone you know who either doesn't have family, is a widow, widower, um, a single in some way that doesn't have, you know, or even married couple, and they don't have a family close. And so you're saying, I'm going to show hospitality, and I'm going to look for people I can invite into my home so that they can have a holiday meal with me. So we show hospitality. Now, that phrase about persecute, uh, bless those who persecute, that's next week, okay? So we're going to come back to that next week. Next phrase is this, rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Are you still with me? Okay. It's getting quiet. I, I just felt it was getting quiet. You know, it's like, are, are they just gotten too much information? And they're like, oh, when's he going to stop? Oh, my word. <laughs> or is it like, oh, this is so good. I'm just enamored and can't even move. And I don't know what it is. Okay, so rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. It's talking about action that results from sympathy. Okay, we've talked a lot about empathy in the last year in our church. But this is from sympathy. You've probably all heard the phrase sympathy pains sympathy pains right so i know in my body that i have a liver issue and i know that every time i get my ultrasounds and my cat scans as they look for any kind of problems that may be coming up more than just the issue i have is that every single time what they say to me is oh there's everything looks fine except your spleen is enlarged and then what they say to me because your spleen is enlarged your because of your liver problems your spleen is enlarged and that is sympathy, sympathetic organs that are relating as one is not functioning well, the other one responds to that. And that's what he's talking about us in the church is that we would rejoice with those who are rejoicing because we feel it and that we weep with those who are weeping because we feel that as well. Okay, fourth idea is this, love with humility, love with humility. He says this, live in harmony with one another do not be haughty, it's another awesome word, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Now, he's mentioned humility at least three times in Romans 12 as we've gone through this, and it comes back again right here. So what he says is, he says, because we've learned to love each other, here's the fruit, harmony, that we have harmony. Now, when he says harmony, he's not saying that we have to have uniformity. Okay, it's not saying we have to have uniformity. So where we all look the same, you know, like a cult where we start, you know, coming in all dressed in the same clothing, the same white tennis shoes. Somebody said this week that's a sign of a cult or whatever it is. Is that we would, I don't know, I just heard it, and so but we would uh, not be that way. He's calling for this is what he's calling for. He's calling for unity and diversity, unity and diversity where we bring people from all walks of life and we form a family of people who are learning to love each other and walking together. Then he says, do not be haughty. And basically that means to you know, not put yourself in this position where you're looking down on others. Just, you know, the, you, know you guys know this. You watch the media and almost you know, every newscast and report today you're seeing is that somebody's looking down on someone else, telling how bad they are. And so he says, don't do that. Don't make yourself in that way. So just ask a question about this. Um, when you walk into a room, is it, is your, you know, kind of your attitude, 
when you walk into a room, look, I'm here. <laughs> is that your attitude? Or is your attitude, there you are. Well, I'm just telling you, the difference between those two is what we're talking about. That if you want to love others and you want to be known by a loving person, as a loving person, when you walk into a room, it's not, I'm here. But it's, oh, there you are. I love you. And I care for you in, some, in that way. So never be wise in your own sight, he says. I think that's pretty clear. And then he wraps it up by saying, associate with everyone. You might just circle that word, everyone. Who does that leave out? No one. No one. He says, associate with everyone, even those you would have classified or others have classified as being lower than you. Okay, so let's come back, and I want to wrap it up by coming back to the brotherly love concept, okay? The brotherly love that we talked about. So this comes from a conversation I had with a person who was talking about community groups and why this person didn't think that community groups were works, that they work, you know, based upon the fact that if you're in a community group, you're going to have this kumbaya, lean on me, we'll just be friends forever kind of relationship. Uh, And so he basically boiled it down like this. He said this, why would I want to give my time to be around a bunch of people I would never choose to be my friends? That's what he said. He says, I have close friends, okay? I have close friends. And I can't see any way of possible of having those kinds of friends, having that kind of friends, those kinds of relationships with people I don't like. I just can't see how that's possible. Now, I'm sure most of you thought the, you know, thought the same thing, okay? Let's just be real. Thought about that. So here's my response to that. When each of us came, became to be a follower of Jesus Christ, when we made a decision to have a right relationship with him. We were placed in a new family with a new standing as an adopted son or daughter of God, each one of us. And that new standing didn't come with any right to choose which family members we find to be nourishing and fulfilling and that make us feel warm and fuzzy thoughts. Didn't come with that. We don't have the option to choose who will be in our family. Now, we do have the option to choose who will be in our wedding, right? But we don't have the option to choose who will be in our family. We just don't. Now, I was reading this week, and Tim Keller, I love to read some of the things that Tim Keller writes. This is what he says about this. He says that most friends and lovers will often say they are made for each other. Most friends and lovers, they often say, we were made for each other. And then he goes on. But the special glory of what God is doing by creating a new and different kind of family is uniting those who are most emphatically and even comically or not like each other. The kind of love God's calling us to exists between people who if they were not part of the same family, would have nothing to do with them. But because they're part of the same family, I will have everything to do with them, and I will love them. Another author, Scott McKnight, he has a book called The Fellowship of Difference, and that's a T, so we're different, The Fellowship of Difference. And he says this, the church is God's worldwide social experiment of bringing unlikes and difference to the table to share life with one another in a new kind of family. When this happens, we show the world what love, justice, peace, 
reconciliation, and life together with God were meant to be. And that's what he's calling us to be. The challenge is to love and serve others. I ask you to bow your heads and let's talk to God about that. Well, Father, this is hard. I found this extremely difficult, personally. And you challenged me on how do I look at others? So I'm going to pray for our room now. I just pray, Jesus. First of all, I want to pray for those who have never said yes to Jesus, that you want to be in right relationship with him. Said that we have all sinned, and so you can admit that. Jesus, I've sinned. Said that we're far from him, and you can admit that. I'm far from you, Jesus. Says that God gave Jesus that we could be made right, and so you could say, I, I want to receive what God did, Jesus. I want to receive you. I want to receive your forgiveness, your cleansing, your healing, wholeness. I want to become an adopted son or daughter of the Most High God. And now I want to live the rest of my life with you changing my inward attitudes so that my outward actions show others how much I love you how much I love you. And Father, I'd pray for that for all of us. I'd pray for those who are thinking of the one or two or ten people that they just don't love. I'm not talking about those who aren't part of the church, but those who are. And I just pray that you would give us courage, give us a heart, an attitude that would allow us inside to love those that we find unlovely. God, I pray that you would help us now as we look at this whole concept of sincerity and generosity and we look at humility. And Father, I pray that you would help us today, that you would make us be, build into us those kind of people, that you would empower us by your Holy Spirit to be the people you've called us to be. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.